the Ukrainians have, you know, that they got from Slovakia, what rolled in from Greece, maybe eventually, hopefully, um, you know, it doesn't have those bells and whistles because they, you know, it was frozen in time from 30 years ago. They might have. Oh, did we lose you? Light. I think we lost him again. All right. I dropped him down. Hopefully he'll come back. But uh, yeah, I think that's a great point that he made that Russia has been upgrading the S-300 sort of system generally for a long time. Um, and that what Ukraine's using is the older stuff, kind of pre-upgrades. And Russia has more modern versions. But, uh, hopefully we'll get him back. He's back. Hey there. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I dropped off there. What, where did I lose you? We dropped you basically immediately. So just pick up where you got dropped. When, when your audio goes, we find it's much easier. You don't know your audio is gone. So if we drop you, you know something's wrong. And then we can get you back up. You don't talk for five minutes thinking that everyone's hearing your great speech. Happens to me a lot. It happens to me a lot but, just during the day. Um, but yeah, I mean. Re- 30 years of upgrades. Yeah, 30 years of upgrades. It's helped a lot. They're doing some sensor fusion. It's fine, you know, but it's not going to help a bunch. It just helps them distribute, you know, distribute um, the missiles. So, you know, these S-300 batteries, it's a whole complex. It's a a lot more of a footprint than something like a Patriot um, because everything Russian is bigger and better and less efficient. Right. So it just lets you put the missiles around different areas. I mean, you may have a radar in one place, but you might have the batteries, you know, like the target after launchers with the four big tubes um, in different areas. So you cover a wider area. It's not like it's all sitting around in a circle, like in a, a few hundred feet of each other attached by cables. Not anymore. Uh, so you can cover a wider area. That's that's really what it is. I mean, it's not a bad system. Um by any stretch, but you know, it's it has limitations. But you know, it's a lot better than what the Ukrainian version have. And honestly, I'm shocked they still have any S 300s because I had no idea they had so many of the missiles to begin with. Because I mean, they're shooting down cruise missiles, and honestly, I'm shocked they're bothering with it with um, using a theater system like that for point defense. But it's all they have, and they can't have many more of them. And, you know, they really need to get something like Patriot soon because otherwise, there's going to be no even threat of a regional air defense. You know, that that's it. You know, Patriot's going to be critical probably in the next month or two if they're not going to have anything to cover a lot of that airspace. And then, they're going to, then they are going to have to do with fighters. And then the Russians are going to sweep in with like SU-35s and take them out. So, you know, again, it's all about one chain enabling the neck. And when you, one link breaks, then that's bad for everything else down the line. And it gets worse down the line. So it's important to maintain that you know, to have that regional air defense capability, and they are running out. They have to be running out. I don't know what they're shooting stuff down with anymore. The um, the, Buck, the SA-11s or whatever are good medium-range air defense, but again, that's stuff that's frozen in the eight, so it's not going to deal with modern electronic countermeasures. Granted, all those systems might be programmed to deal with, you know, NATO countermeasures, not, um, not their own, you know, countermeasures, so I, I don't know. But anyway, going to head out soon. Yeah, you gave us some good context. I think so. If I understand correctly, the ranch is sort of a, a big computer and what it does is like coordinates all of the different. If I have, you know, eight batteries that are all in different places and my radar is in a different place, it sort of is able to coordinate all of that for me so that it's one cohesive thing instead of eight things all over the place. Is that like broadly correct? Uh, broadly, that's my understanding. It's not a unique capability to them. I mean, it's just how you do things now. But yeah, I mean, it's they can do 
you know, maybe 50% of what we can do. And then they still managed to shoot down their own SU-34, uh, which I guess was an SU-34M. They only have like a dozen of those, which that's some real dumbassery of errands on the same, was the same anniversary when they shot down MH-17. So a great way to celebrate. Yeah, definitely. And uh, a very, very interesting video. I recommend everyone take a look. But yeah, I think you've, you've made a great case here, Nightlight, for uh, NASAMs and Patriot, right, uh, in terms of uh, modern air defense systems. Ukraine definitely needs them. Uh, not only are they going to protect the army, I mean, we've seen what a weakness to air defense can do in terms of HIMARS, right? Um, Russia doesn't have an air defense against it. And uh, as you've pointed out, that's like a, a break in the chain, and it's a weak link. And now that's being exploited by Ukraine uh, to great effect. So we want to try to make sure that, that Ukraine has uh, like a, an impenetrable air defense. And uh, ultimately, that's, lies, that's the goal. Lies, Joseph. Russia has their hypersonic, super duper HIMARS destroyer. Putin hasn't deployed it yet. You see, it's part of the plan. Um, the whole goal is to get murdered and destroyed by the righteous indignation of Ukraine. And then after a few months, they'll deploy the super hypersonic air defense system. I'm just kidding. That's not true. They will not be doing that, and that yeah. does not exist. Yeah, also, all this hypersonic stuff is all bullshit. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be worried about any of it. A- what? Are you telling me you're not worried about a hypersonic nuclear warhead flying over and going into outer space around the moon and hitting somewhere in Utah? Shocker, eh? <laughs> yeah, shocker, right. But like you have the Kinzels they're talking about. All it is is an Iskander he dropped off a plane, which would de- generally be a MiG-31, or I guess you do a backfire. But I mean, okay, it's it's a short-range ballistic missile dropped off a plane. La-di-da. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty bizarre. I mean, I think the writing was on the wall when we saw Russian infantry behave the way they did. Russian land forces conduct themselves the way they did. And then really what ended up happening was, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, you, one thing leads to another. Well, it must be the, they weren't spending money on training for their ground forces. Their Navy, though, woo, their Navy, it's got to be top <laughs> top of the line. You know, oh, you know, uh, really, really good Navy. Nope. Uh, Moscow, gone. Wow. Uh, what else? Air Force. What, you know, I, I'm i going to go back and destroy. I'm not going to watch my Top Gun first one anymore. There, There's no Russian enemy. It's a uh, fantasy. Um, the reality is overall the entire readiness as a, as a military is, is quite bizarre and degraded. And I think, um, you know, if all of their systems are the way they are. Uh, I, uh, what we've seen deployed so far, I really doubt. I really have big doubts. Now, it doesn't mean you go dance with the devil. I'm not saying go and invite a nuclear war, God forbid. But I'm saying that I, I, I think the paper tiger nature of the Russian military has been exposed and their deterrence uh, has been demonstrated. The lack of deterrence has been demonstrated. And thanks, uh, Nightlight, for that. Go ahead. Follow up. Oh, yeah. Um... I mean, I would say in a lot of ways their hardware is, I, I really do think their hardware is mostly good. It's not as reliable as they thought. You know, it's not as advanced as maybe necessarily thought. But I mean, the biggest difference, it really is the training. And it really yeah, is, the they, yeah, they, they never practiced large operations. This isn't the Soviet Union you're dealing with. They may have had a lot of stuff. But they never seem to have operated beyond their battalion tactical group which the BTG concept is fine. I mean, we do effectively the same thing on the brigade level, uh, is my understanding. But we, we do, we do on a battalion level. multiple battalions together, divisions or a front. We, uh, this is like the first time they've done this. Yeah, their BTG is the answer to our battle group, 
right? So they do have battle, like that's not a bad idea. I mean, there's still, there's still, there's still a lot of debate even within NATO circles, America uh, included about uh, brigade groups and battle groups and stuff like that. Right. But, um, you know, but it is pretty much the answer to a different kind of maneuver warfare post, you know, World War II, post Vietnam. Right. So there have been those changes and they, they copied our change. So our reorientation uh, to that kind of fighting, that style of maneuver warfare was copied by them with the BTGs. <clears throat> the problem is, as you just said, combined arms uh, practicing uh, for those who aren't military, the, the ability to, to take those units and do things with other people. The United States has a, a center, Joint Readiness Training Center, in lovely, sunny Fort Polk, uh, Louisiana. Is Polk in Louisiana or Mississippi? Oops, I should know. I've been there. Louisiana. There you go. Um, and the Americans are kind enough to host all of us NATO countries and actually a lot of countries. And they do, you know, we do combined arms training and, uh, it's a thing every year. I mean, it's not a thing every year for the Americans. Americans do it all year round with countries all over the world. So you guys are kind of the SMEs for that. Right. And, uh, the subject matter experts, you guys kind of run it. And Mike check. Is that me? Nope. It's Yehuda. Uh, I can't hear Yehuda. Yeah, I'm trying to get them back. I can't. I can't bump them down. It's too powerful. Um, one thing I was to say, how he was talking about battalion tactical groups. Um, you know, the Russians tried to do what we do with maneuver warfare, partly because they don't. You know, they used to try to do integrated division. You know, on the division level and the army level, and it's a smaller army. You know, they're trying to do maneuver warfare, but they forgot the most important piece beyond training is having NCOs. Because I mean, you're going smaller you know, combined arms without the NCOs, you know, it's all command driven, all officers, everything takes longer. It's, it's unwieldy and it's not a good fit for them. You know, I mean, it's great on paper, but it's not working out well at all. It's just too many parts doing the wrong things at the wrong time or not quickly enough. And, you know, you're ever quicker, you're dead. Anyways, I'm going to head out soon. Yeah, thanks, Natalie. I think a lot of observations you made are uh, important uh, and useful to us, uh, for sure. I think uh, you've given a very comprehensive idea about how air defense works. Uh, that's useful for our listeners. Hopefully we can get Yehuda back soon. Yeah, Natalie, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, learned a lot of good stuff during your uh, time here tonight. Thanks. Uh, I'll be uh, I'll be back most nights for a while, so um, I guess the nightlight term is fitting. Hey, Nightlight, I wanted to uh, second that. And um, I had a question earlier. I raised my hand, but Yehuda came on. And, you know, you just got to let Yehuda do his thing. Yeah, but, I, I can answer the question if it's for me. Um, I just wanted your opinion on the S-400s and their 42-degree alignment radar-wise and the pedigree of the uh, HIMARS M31s at 82 degrees and how they've been unable to detect um, HIMARS. You know, I'm the degrees of the radars and so on. I, I'm not the best guy for that. Um, more more on the missile capabilities and that kind of thing. Um, I, the difference between S300 and S400, it's really, it's not a very different system. I mean, they look almost identical on the ground. Um, S-400, it's definitely a faster missile, which is great. But beyond that, it's just it's more a evolution than a revolution. Um, it has a longer range, but I mean, the longer range doesn't really matter that much if you're flying at 50 feet. 
right? Curvature of Europe is your defense. And if you don't have cooperative engagement and an AWACS, switch and handoff targeting information to your big ass missile, then kind of what's the point, you know? Uh, as for why they're not seeing HIMARS coming in, couple ways um, with as one, I don't think they can uh, you know, basically observe, orient, and act um, fast enough. So I think that's part of it. The other part of it is, you know, when they launch these HIMARS, they're also launching, you know, things like Smirch and Grad and a bunch of other kind of like just chaff. So you don't have like six blips show up on your radar. You have 30 blips show up on your radar. And now you have some poor operator who probably hasn't seen a flush toilet uh, trying to discern, you know, which ones are the HIMARS and which ones are just basically things you can ignore. And you can't even really predict exactly where it's going to land to decide whether you shoot on it because damn things maneuver too. So I, I think a lot of it is they just can't decide what to shoot. Uh, so I think they have the ability to shoot it. Uh, Night, I Night Light, let me ask you a question. You seem knowledgeable about this. Uh, what do you guys, What do you think about the book that the non-Russians fired at a Malaysian airliner? Um, probably a mistake, probably a mistake, but they, they can't tell the difference between a jet, you know, fighter jet and, uh, and a passenger airplane. No? Um, they probably can't cause there's, their equipment is shit. Uh, I think what I read at the time is that they're doing something very reckless. So a book or a book there, a, you know, SA 11, you know, you have the, basically the track vehicle with the launchers on it and it has a radar on it but it's usually part of the battery which has a much bigger radar you know with actual radar operators on it. it's not just the guys in the vehicles making the decision so those guys in the vehicles pretty much just my understanding is they saw a blip and thought well according to our orders we should shoot at it and there wasn't a better radar to interrogate it so again i, I think it was a, a tragic miscommunication and it was on train operate be my understanding but- but from a command perspective, if you give uh, these troops without the right training this type of weapon, you have to have a brain in your head and know that they could possibly bring down an airliner as that is a, a lane, an air traffic lane where, where commercial jets fly through. You know what I mean? Like there are failures on every level. Yeah, and it, it wasn't, I don't think it was really the Russians. I think they gave it to, I mean, it was the Russians. They gave it to <laughs> plus the uh you know, DPR, the Donetsk, the Donetsk loyal republic of the glorious people of Donetskistan. It's yeah, Russians. exactly. And they gave it to these guys who are utterly untrained, and they told them to basically go have fun, you know, and shoot anything that goes through this corridor. And yep. yeah, it is incredibly reckless. It's shockingly reckless. It's it's stupid, tragic death caused by people who are incompetent, who don't know how to mitigate any risk. Uh, basically not professional. No professional and, and, was involved in that. Otherwise, it never would have happened. And These that's, guys driving around in a, in a basically a, a tank with missiles, you yep. know, like a bunch of freaking rednecks. It's a truck. Yeah. Well, uh, no, it's a truck. It's a Is it tracked, the book? I thought it was wheeled. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I, at the bottom. The, the, I think it was called an SA-4. That was on tracks. The book is... Um, that's the same thing that they're strapping on the back of... Um, some of the or sorry go ahead oh yeah the book is the same thing they're strapping them back at the frigates that that is tracked and that does have a decent enough yeah. radar so so the funny thing is though you look at conversely you look at the americans who know the ukrainians are a good army because they've been training them for eight years 
even with the Americans and every new weapon, they make the Ukrainians show them that they know what they're doing. Because the Americans, who are responsible actors, who aren't cowboy dummies or Cossack dummies, um, they're not, they don't, they even, even though they have a high degree of trust in the efficacy and the professionalism, the tradecraft of the Ukrainian military, they want to know that those troops are, are, are using those weapons correctly. So they've, they've asked the Ukrainians to demonstrate. Um, that's what responsible actors do. You know, the Russians not being responsible went to their little garbage, you know, so-called DPR, DNR um, uh, army, which is really Russian sympathizers or Russians, uh, and gave them stuff that could blow up friggin' passenger planes. You'd think someone with half a brain would go, hey, this could end up badly for us. <laughs> you know, this could turn out bad, but they didn't. Good point. Over to you, peace, man. Peace for Ukraine. Go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. And Slava Ukraini. Here I'm Slava. Um, I would just want to do a small critique uh, here. Um, I don't think we perceived until recently, at least from my end, the actual objective of all this quote-unquote special military operation. The objective of all this is to increase white ladder automobile production in Russia. Basically, you send how your kids. You, how, how dare you? That family, they drove that lot of straight to the cemetery. First thing they did, the first drive they did was to the cemetery to visit their son that got them that lot. It's to boost the economy. The objective of all this is to boost the economy, to increase automobile production. We are now almost at 40,000 Russian dead soldiers. So can you imagine 40,000 new ladders lined up in the production oh line? Beautiful. You know, there's yeah. an article an article written, and for all those listening, this is tongue-in-cheek for Peace for Ukraine and myself. Um, there was an interesting article written in actual Russian-sanctioned media where they called out and said... Um, yeah, we, we have so little of everything that we are now producing cars without ABS, without uh, airbags, without uh, seatbelts that have those, you know, automated functions that, you know, tighten up on you. Like they're using like 1970 seatbelts. Um, uh, and why? Because they don't have the... Did we uh, lose Yehuda? Yep. Okay. I'll uh, go into God mode there and uh, bring them back. Twitter spaces. So as a reminder to all the listeners, uh, if you uh, hear everybody talking like Darlaks or Cylons, depending on which side of the ocean you're on, or if things are cutting in or cutting out in a very weird manner, you may want to go into your Twitter app, uh, go into storage and clear the cache if you have an Android. If you have an iPhone, just restart the app and it will will clear everything for you and you should have at least four hours of exceptional listening uh there uh that being said there is a uh iphone update scheduled for this evening so uh keep that in mind uh when you're when you're trying to log back into the space so it may be a little bit problematic uh there was a twitter update last night so when things like this happen, uh, there are conflicts and, 
you know, it, it takes a little time for the patches to work through. So uh, please bear with us with the technology and we'll be right with you again while I go fetch you uh, for everybody's listening pleasure, Yehuda. Thank you very much, Battle Moose. And uh, while we're waiting, I guess I could briefly say uh, we are, of course, the Maria Report. We are a 24-hour space on Twitter dedicated to discussing the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And uh, we actually do have some uh, lovely guest speakers coming up, uh, coming to the space to give you guys some insight about what's going on in Ukraine on the ground right now. So the first uh, guest speaker coming up uh, is uh, basically today, as not quite today for me, but uh, for most of you, Tuesday, July 19th, uh, today at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 1700, a coordinated universal time, uh, is going to be Yaroslav Matyushin. He's a Ukrainian Army procurement Wednesday, July 20th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 1800 Coordinated Universal Time, we'll have Shum. Uh, he's a volunteer combat medic in Ukraine. And then the same day, Wednesday, July 20th, uh, at 3.30 Eastern Time, at 1930 Coordinated Universal Time, we'll have Lukasz Tomiki. Uh, he's a, a capital uh, management uh, and uh, principal CCO of uh, LRT uh, capital management. So I think there's some kind of financial discussion. I'm not 100% sure what, what that discussion will be about, but I'm sure it will be interesting if uh, we've got him as a guest. Uh, so I think we might get have Yehuda back in a minute here, but I uh, just thought I'd let you guys know about our upcoming speakers. Of course, uh, please take a look at mariaaid.org. And uh, if you can, uh, please consider uh, maybe sending something their way. Uh, definitely appreciate it. It's an organization that's run just like the Maria Report completely by volunteers, and we want to support what they do here. Uh, that means that your entire donation uh, will go directly to helping. Uh, it won't, none of it will go to administrative or overhead costs. And, of course, if you do have a, a question for our panel, uh, please feel free to come on up and uh, press the little microphone button in the bottom left corner of your screen and press the heart icon in the center, and on the far right, you can raise your hand. Uh, we'll do our best to answer your question. Uh, let's see. Maybe maybe uh, get finance up here, and I can do a, do a back. Can I do a back to you, Battle Moose? Are you there, Battle Moose? No pizza parties. No pizza parties. That's right, liberal. That's our goal here. You know, like a lot of us, that's why we do this. We have no interest in, you know, any making any salary. We don't care about any, you know, ourselves in any way, but we do want to promote uh, the cause. We want all that money to go directly to helping Ukraine. And for sure, uh, it's a great cause. And uh, thanks very much, everyone who helps out. Uh, finance, go ahead. To clarify, I, I do actually care about making money and my salary, but uh, I also care about Ukraine. So, uh, you know, don't donate to me. Uh, go to, to Ukraine. But uh, if anybody ever wants to, you know, uh, hire me for way, way more money, I will probably take it as long as you're not trying to commit genocide. But to our great, amazing speaker on Wednesday, that's Lucas Tomicki. He's a hedge fund manager. That's just uh, that's what all that wording means. He's also a Polish American citizen who has a background in his first startup that he sold off before he became a hedge fund manager was in political consulting and technology. And so he has a understanding of American numbers crunching for politics as well as uh, investing. And, you know, uh, the, you know, he has a lot of interesting thoughts on the energy market, Europe, and as a, uh, you know, gentleman born under, you know, he's a little bit, he's, a, you know, he, as a gentleman born under communism, he, uh, you know, is inherently uh, not particularly in favor of uh, either some of the more bureaucratic and Kafkaesque 
things going on in Europe, and it's clearly not a big fan of uh, Russian hegemony. So that's who we're having on Wednesday. Should be a great speaker. Really looking forward to it. Thanks a lot for clearing that up, Finance. I was, I, I was trying to read the description. I got a little lost there, but I feel like you, you gave us a better understanding. So he's maybe a financial and political analyst. Yeah, he, he, he's a hedge fund manager. He owns his own hedge fund. Got it. Thank you. And uh, thank you for that. And with that, we'll go to Tom. Tom, go ahead. Actually, uh, real quick, maybe Nightlight, do you want to uh, sign off? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted to sign off. I wanted to thank, uh, you know, thank you guys for listening to me go on and battle moves for great news about Canada and the discussion. It was great. And um, I will say there is one thing I was offended about that someone said an SU-25 was better than a uh, A-10. And I, I vehemently disagree with that. Um, because not only you have that lovely 30 millimeter cannon in Minos, you also have a nice little system called Maverick and Lantern Pods, which can do laser designation for fun little bombs and missiles. So, yeah, people talk that it's not, um, you know, close air support isn't a thing anymore. It's like, well, if you can blow up the uh, air defense vehicles from five to 10 miles away, it gets a hell of a lot easier. So I would submit the A-10 is a very good plane and an Su-25 is just a Walmart version of it. Anyways, uh, good night and good luck to everyone. Uh, have a good night. Thank you, Nightlight. A-10, go burr. Uh, back to yeah, you, Tom. You, Tom go, night, 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 night. Sorry if I just may say this. Thank you very much for saying this, but Walmart does not offer that low quality. The Su-25 uh, it, say represents by comparison to the updated and uh, I think Ukraine would be very glad to have it. Yes, they would. And if nothing I think else, I think this war has validated the role of it um, because it was designed for this scenario. This this is exactly what it was meant for. And it is a lot better than the 1980s version of it. You know, it might take some losses, but man, I mean, you need to operate planes off of, um, oh, I don't know, like a highway and base it out of a warehouse or something like that. An A-10 is a great platform for it. You're definitely not doing that if you're F-15s and F-16s. Those things you know, are going to be very vulnerable at operating out of you know, airfields. You know, you want something that can operate off of, you know, a freeway. Like the MiG-29 can do that. Uh, the A-10 can do that. I'm not sure what else that we have that could do that. Harriers, I don't know. But uh, that of those are a nightmare. But anyways, yeah. You, you can get the nice. F- you could, But you can get the F-15 off the ground from a road. Seen it. Trust me, it works. But the A-10 oh, really? we had... We, yeah, it's possible. There's even videos on the internet where you can find it from various places, be it in Europe as well as in Asia. It is definitely possible. It's not as easy. But the can you land it on one? Sorry? Can you land it on one? Yes, absolutely. Uh, they did it. Uh, there's a, a very decent uh, fairway, um, like a support road in Singapore, where they landed it. I think you can find the video. A10 Singapore, just Google it, you'll get it. It's doable, no problem. But uh, the A-10s, for example, we had here in Estonia in the past couple of years. And uh, whenever they did their training and their tests and on a highway and our roads are, yeah, fine. And the highway is great, but it's not perfect. Nothing is. And by no means a comparison to, Swiss, uh, to Switzerland, Austria or Germany, for that matter, or anything even Belgium. But uh, the A-10s coming down on a highway and pilots getting out or a proper a simple touchdown they they are perfect for this and of course they're made for this combat this is exactly this is native territory for them absolutely i really hope they send some air force doesn't want them anyway 
something uh, I never understood. Thank you. Excellent nightlight. We'll see you later, nightlight. Uh, have a good night. Maybe dream of uh, A-10s landing on roads uh, like the rest of us. Uh, and with that, sorry, Tom, to, to delay you like that. Uh, go ahead. You know, on the A-10s, I really wish that Ukraine had had a dozen or so of them during the Russian convoy period of the conflict. That would have been hilarious. Uh, I wanted to ask about the whole pizza party thing. I know we're against pizza parties, but under what conditions can we have a pizza party? Can we have a Myriad Report pizza party when they take us on? Or have we got to wait for full liberation? Full liberation. Yeah, we've often said we're going to get Yehuda pizza when all of Ukrainian territory is liberated. That seems to be our goal, is to wait, and, wait, wait until all Ukrainian territory is liberated, including Crimea, and then we'll get Yehuda um, pizza. Someone That's... said pizza, and lo and behold, I have arrived. Can we not have a series of like sub-goals, like a Hassan pizza party, and a like, Izium pizza party, and a Crimea pizza party? That'd be, that'd be fun, surely. I, uh, you, uh, you, uh, you attempt to, uh, to uh, how do you call it, ingratiate yourself to me. My Italian heritage screams out, pizza, pizza. After I got married, I gained 40 pounds. I took my wife to visit my family. I don't know if I've ever told you, Tom, but we might share similar parentage. And I, and I said, you, you know, she went to learn how to cook like my family. I got back to Canada. All the woman's made is pizza and pasta. I gained 40 pounds. It's been a nightmare. Maybe you should open a pizza place in Odessa when this is all over. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but Italian pizza and pizza in, in other parts of the world, I find, are very different. For us, pizza's healthy. It's, uh, you know, but in North America, pizza's just uh, different. I'm not going to complain. Is what you're trying to say that an attempt to open up a pizza parlor in Odessa would result in you eating too much of your own cooking? Probably. Probably. You want to hear a fun fact? Fun fact? I was injured 10 years ago at work, and I, I released, and I opened up a restaurant. And... Um, and that's how I met my wife. And I did it to the, for the purpose of finding a wife. It was a kosher restaurant. So anyways, it worked out. Um, and then she said, we should, you should open up another restaurant. It was a horrible experience. Being a, a restaurant owner is very hard, and you have to be very... Uh, you have to babysit the employees. A lot of them are transient. And, uh, but anyway, long story short, uh, pizza parties. We say no pizza parties because we want people to know that when you donate to Marie Aid and you help out... Um, no one's benefiting like none of the volunteers in fact many of us volunteers pay money to be a part of this like we you know offset costs on our own and um and it's tough it's tough but uh this is something we believe in we don't very much fancy sitting by and watching a genocide in our time and, and then in in 50 years which i won't be around in 50 years but let's just say 20 years people say what did you do and uh, at least we could say we try to do something that's a big deal. You know, Russians are committing genocide uh, as we speak, uh, rounding up Ukrainians, getting their passports, putting them on lists. We've seen this before, and that's uh, par for the course for Russia. So although I do appreciate it, I, I would probably prefer a nice cup of tea in Sevastopol with the Ukrainian flag flying behind me, the sun going down. What about you, Tom? Good idea? It sounds good to me. Um, I, I'd like to head out there maybe after this is over and help people with, I don't know, physical, emotional trauma is what I'm thinking. Um, that's that's more my skill set. I'm not a fighter, really. 
Um, but yeah, I join you for that cup of tea. It would be a pleasure and an honor, sir. I want to thank everyone for joining Maria Report. Uh, Elephant in the room. We have we have switched to a different platform, um, and we wish everyone who supports Ukraine well. Um, uh, Maria Report uh, does exclusively support Maria, although we are not connected. Uh, there are many reasons for that. Uh, one is we're an online volunteer group, um, and uh, and and Maria Aid is a uh, specific. Uh, organization uh, registered in Canada. Uh, they do great work. Uh, we will always support them. Um, our, our lot is in with them. However, you know, in order to do this, since no one is paid, uh, you know, to be here uh, as in from donations, um, so we, I'll, I'll tell you now, elephant in the room, we have, you know, very uh, generous donors with Deep Pockets who, who've offered to help run the back end and pay for servers for us to have YouTube channels and all that jazz, but that all that money comes directly from donors. It never goes through. We don't we don't request the money from Reaid. It's actually a very unique experience. If you know anything about NGOs, um, there are NGOs. I think United Way, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a very ridiculous amount goes to overhead, and the rest goes to charity. And if I'm not mistaken, it's like ninety ten or eighty twenty or some bizarre number. So um, obviously they have big volumes, so they can do that. But for us, it's a one hundred percent. Uh, we we don't take a penny, and everything that gets sent to Mariaid gets sent to Mariaid, and uh, they purchase what they purchase. Um, but uh, we have uh, a new format, just Maria Report, um, and uh, you know I spent four months of my life, up to twelve to twenty hours a day, uh, working on Walt Report. So I'm not going to slag it. It's just a different format, uh, and and they're going in a certain you know direction. God bless them. We support that because uh, they support Ukraine. But for Maria Report, uh, we are going to continue with the interviews. We're going to continue. Uh, how, how, how this happened is we built up 35 to 50, you know, solid volunteers. We're talking about deputy directors of major government organizations in the States and Canada and Europe that do IT stuff. And they work behind the scenes to, you know, uh, for, for posterity, they, they edit and uh, they're audio engineers, they're computer nerds. I'm sorry, I don't know the, the technical term, but these are people that are dedicating, like, uh, on average, the people spend between 20 and 50 hours a week volunteering to do the back end stuff. I personally knew there was a lot of stuff to do in the background. I never knew how much. And so that group of volunteers have, uh, have committed to helping Ukraine, uh, the vehicle in which we do it. We support MarieAid.org. Uh, we don't answer to them. They don't answer to us. They don't give us direction. We are a group of volunteers. The current setup is very, um, you know, egalitarian in that, that everyone has a voice in the setup. Uh, it's run by consensus. Uh, we all know what's right. And, uh, and, and certain brands have a certain image. And we, you know, hey, if it works for them, it works for them. Uh, but definitely, I will tell you this, uh, the, the split was uh, expected. Uh, it was communicated, and I know I know that certain people are upset about it. Um, but the there is no change in the funding. We don't receive a penny. Actually, we we actually, as Maria report, we receive no funds, money. We we promote MariaAid.org, um, and we don't uh, we don't see a penny. We don't ask for a penny. Nothing happens. We will sit here twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, uh, as long as God gives me breath. Uh, until this war is over, until Russia is back where it belongs in Russia, 
and we will promote an organization that we trust, uh, and that's Myriad.org, uh, to do the needful and, and help Ukraine uh, and do the best by Ukraine. Uh, and that's why we love what we do, because uh, we do so from our hearts. Uh, we don't do it for our personality. There's no, um, and when I say there's no ego involved, I'm not trying to take a jab at the Walt Report. Um, in fact, I'm the one who made the name. So I can't complain about Walter Report because I actually came up with the name. I said, you need to brand this. We need to do something because we had detractors and Russian, you know, uh, influence individuals. Um, so I have no problem. I wish Walter the best and I hope he starts up the Walter Report in whatever capacity he wants. But Maria Report is a group of volunteers dedicated to do the right thing by Ukraine. Uh, we will continue to promote MariaAid.org. I do get a lot. I am because we just started yesterday. Uh, I'm getting a lot of emails, and, sorry, DMs asking me what the deal is. There's no deal. Um, the same people that were on a previous room are now doing something on Maria Report. Um, uh, there was obviously uh, uh, a lack of congruity uh, with regards to direction and vision, how do things work. Uh, this is a more, um, you know, uh, uh, volunteer led uh, organization. Uh, Maria report is uh, we we might we you know since we're not dealing with money we might not incorporate some some name or NGO we might uh, but the reality is uh, we're only as good as the volunteers that help us so if you want to help Maria report if you want to uh, support us uh, we've got the people running the actual report are Axel and Battle Moose um, they are on different sides of the planet Battle Moose being on the proper side which is Canada the Western Hemisphere and Axel being on the unfortunate side where all the wars start in the world. Um, you know, we're starting to see there's a pattern, Tom. I'm not sure if you notice this pattern. Uh, perhaps Europe needs to take a chill pill. But either way, um, we're here to help. We're here to support Ukraine. Uh, we have no personal gain in this. No funds come our way. None of the moderators or the hosts at Maria Report are allowed to have personal um paypals or buy me a coffees or anything like that we're not interested uh we, we're here because we have a, a, a deep-seated love for freedom democracy and uh, we will never ask you for funds we will never expect funds we don't want to tip we don't care if you really like the sound of our voice and think that i should be in a five-star hotel in the bahamas um although no i'm just kidding no there's not none of it none of that so we will direct all of our energy we will direct all of our impressions we will direct everything to a known respectable organization called mariaid.org and that's what we'll continue to do they don't have to you know uh, i mean it's not even a matter of you know uh, we're, we're promoting something we believe in we've seen it work uh, please look at the mariaaid.org uh, or the mariaaid twitter handle um, and follow them. And please, if you are so inclined or you're capable to donate, you're capable to help save Ukrainian lives financially, please do so. If you're capable of, um, you know, helping us uh, increase our reach, we need internet gurus and all those, all those people. Please reach out to Axel or to Battle Moose, very respectable, responsive individuals. And if you're from, you know, you know, I'll be honest, the entire crew, uh, you know, all the moderators, we started this, um, you know, some of us came along for the ride. Uh, uh, if, if you want, if you want, uh, if you're so inclined for Walter Report, go and support them. There's, we have zero 
issue with anyone supporting Ukraine any way you want. Don't agree with some things Walter's been saying as, as I received about 50 DMs about things being said. We don't care. I, I, I love him as a human being. Don't, our, our paths are different. We are different people. Uh, and I wish him the best. And I hope that he runs up a Walter report and, and communicates and does what he wants. However, I, I have to, you know, I've put my lot in with 35, 36 volunteers, 36 people, just like you. Uh, some people put in a few hours a day. Some people put in 12, 10. You know, there were days I, you know, I'm surprised my wife's still with me. You know, I tell people there's a TV show in North America called Forensic Files. Unfortunately, it usually deals with domestic violence and murders and stuff. And, and then the DNA and the forensics, how they catch the killer. And when I, when I first got married, my wife and I used to watch Forensic Files for entertainment. And as of late, I'm afraid she, she watches it for ideas because uh, I'm on the phone too much. I'm on Twitter too much. Tom, do I have anything to be worried about? Yeah, I mean, the, the two people that you really don't want to marry in case of them murdering you are a stage magician or a clinical psychologist. Oh, Lord. But a Ukrainian, is that safe? I'm good, right? Well, what's her profession? Like, are you sure she's not trying to kill you with all that? People? This is... I thought she just wanted to get me fat, so I'm, I'm I'm not desirable to other women. I thought that was the plan. Um, I'm unfortunately cursed with an excellent constitution and an above average facial bone structure. Tom. Yeah, it's uh, it's the desirability, or she's after the life insurance, one or the other. I don't really know. There, there is there is life insurance. That's true. I am 16 years older than my wife, so um, and all that is is a function of how very immature I am, Tom, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's a common thing for a, a lot of us guys. I, I think a lot of women have worked out that if they kill us by ax, they're not going to get a, the life insurance. But if they kill us by pizza, Oh my goodness. Control, you know? so would you say, would you say this is an example of death by pizza? I mean, it could be. Do you remember the, uh, League of Distinguished Gentlemen or League of Gentlemen, is it called uh, Death uh, Death by Maui Maui or something? I don't know. I remember Mr. Creosote from Monty Python there, if you remember him with the wafers. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's just uh, that's just the long and the short of it. And, and you know what? I, I don't like to shy away from controversy or confusion. Um, we are, uh, we are um, the Maria Report now. Uh, that's the way we are moving forward. Lots of love and respect to anyone who does anything, including Walter and the Walter Report. Um, we just, um, you know, the moderators and the hosts uh, had, a, had, a, had a direction they wanted to go in. And um, you can't square a circle. Uh, I've been accused of being the glue that kept the room together. Um, I'm not sure if Axel has anything to add to that. But I did my best, and uh, we had a great run, a great run. Uh, a big part of my life that I never expected that at my age I would see. And so uh, moving forward in the spirit of, of uh, comradeship and solidarity with Ukraine, uh, I want to ensure this audience that we will remain ecumenical. I know there are hurt feelings by some, um, and that's to be expected. There's a lot of emotions uh, involved in here and in the situation, but I have to park my feelings about what's happened, and I have to focus on Ukraine, and that's what we're doing the whole lot. Uh, There'll be no messaging from anyone. Um, I, I, I would almost advise people who are so inclined, what happened? Nothing happened. We just moved to a different direction. 
Uh, and, and, and if anyone's looking for gossip, you won't find any here. We're not interested in it. Ukrainian people are dying today. That's the image that we need to focus on and we need to promote it. And I, I really appreciate you listening, listening to me rant about this, but it, it needs to be said. Um, I don't, I, one thing I'm not, I'm a lot of things, uh, and I've been called a lot of things, but dishonest or lacking of integrity is something I've not been called. So I don't want to run away from it. We did make a split. It's been uh, over 24 hours. Um, I want you to know that the reach that we've had is phenomenal. Um, although we only have six, like a thousand followers on the on our new handle, um, we actually have had over 80,000 impressions in the last 24 hours. That's actually something we've never seen. I'm not sure if it's an algorithm thing. I'm not sure if the Twitter lords have been angry at uh, Wolf Report in the past. And I, and I suspect they did. And we really did our best to try to shake that. That's unrelated to, to the new room. But um, I want to thank everyone for listening and promoting because it's a big deal. And we've done, we've done great things. We are sticking it to the Russians the only way that those who aren't engaged in fighting them in Ukraine can do. And that is with our fingertips, with our feet, with our wallets. Thanks very much. Uh, rant and and rant. But um, welcome to Axel and Doman. They've joined us uh, from the other side of the planet. And um, and thanks to the whole panel for being here. We really, we really appreciate it. Uh, over to Axel. Yeah, good morning from the dark side of medieval Europe, where seemingly all the wars have started and yet again convened Yehuda, right? Is that what you're saying? Was I wrong? Was I wrong? No, the medieval wars definitely started here, and I'm quite sure that the current war has been instigated and uh, fired up here. You're absolutely right. And uh, fortunately, there are forces in North America who are supporting the, um, that part of Europe which doesn't want to give in, meaning including um, the place our dearly beloved friend Tom hails from, and Ukraine not losing it. So I think this is the key uh, aspect. The cause and the mission this team is on is bigger than the individual. But it takes a lot of individuals, a whole crew, to complete and accomplish that mission to serve the cause. And that's why we're here. Kinder and more uh, wise words were only spoken by me. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks, Axel. Um, I'm going to drive Axel insane now and speak from the host account because now he has to ride, like run across his, uh, his his mansion and grab the host phone because I'm resetting it while I talk. But uh, just just reiterate what uh, uh, Yehuda was saying. Uh, you know, we we are laser focused on uh, on what needs to be done. And what needs to be done is to uh, provide the the aid in whatever form we can provide to uh, immediately resolve the war in war in Ukraine. Uh, like Yehudu and Axel were saying, people are dying every second, every day. Ukrainians are dying. Uh, Russians are dying, but we we kind of you know beleaguer that along. Uh, we we're, we're we're doing the best we can, and if you if you can find the time and the the wherewithal and the 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 heart to to reach 
in into your into your heart in your pockets and donate to, to Marie Aid. I can guarantee you. I, I've seen. I, I, I've I've seen the people on the ground. I've seen the people on the ground in Ukraine. I've I spoke to them. Uh, uh, we many of us uh, as the, the hosts and co-hosts here know them personally. Uh, it, we we know this this equipment. The and the 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 aid we send is being used on the ground uh, and saving lives in Ukraine. So if you can, please donate. And if you can't, you know, the, the least we ask is retweet the space. You know, re, retweet the space. Go share with a friend. There's there's a little ellipses at the bottom. There's a little uh, a tri ellipses at the bottom. If you have a if you have a friend that does not have Twitter, you can copy you can press that copy link and send that to them if they're on the Facebooks or if they're on the Instagrams. They can still listen to the space. They can't interact. You need a Twitter account to interact. But they can they can still listen to us here. And there's a lot of value with with a lot of the conversation that goes on here. Okay, they're maybe they're the, the, the military talks not your thing, but we do have a variety of social, political and geopolitics here that may be to your taste. And the people that have been around for a while, they understand this. Uh, Thanks. Sir. With that, I, I don't know if that's actually yeah. Peter Doran or finance. That's uh, finance, but no, it's great. Uh, let's go to Blackout real quick. Uh, blackout Dave, you had your hand up first. Go ahead. I'll check. I'll clear. Go ahead. All right, sweet. My reception isn't the best right now. Yeah, Are you, on Russian? Uh... Are you on Russian Wi-Fi? Yeah, you can think. No, uh, Swedish. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm kind of out in the woods. Yeah, the joke um, is that it, the joke is that you were implying it didn't work, and that's kind of what I think the Russian military yeah, capability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nyak, nyak, All right, go ahead. <laughs> no, I switched operator, and I'm pretty unhappy about it. All right. Uh, yeah, someone mentioned earlier, maybe an hour ago, or so uh, that the S500 is a pretty scary piece of kit. Now, uh, I don't know in what phase they're in, if it's still R&D or maybe even production. But aren't the current sanctions and the like general lack of semiconductors posing a pretty big problem now for the Russians? Yes, that, that is correct. Uh, we will not see S500s in our lifetime as long as there's there's the current sanctions on. Yeah, if, if you were to put, if you had a cardboard box and you took a marker and wrote S500, you'll see that. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, it's technically an S500 if you write it on it. Um, I think the Russians are really keen on that. And I mean, you know, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a bird or a duck. It's not a cow. Um, The the Russians have shown, I mean, just they've demonstrated the complete lack of, uh, you know, military prowess. I don't even know what to say. I personally look at the effects... uh, uh, delivered by the Russian military, and it's shockingly weird. It's weird to me. It's confusing because I, you know, in my career, I've been taught what Russia will do or what we suspect Russia or expect Russia to do. Mm-hmm. But when they do the exact opposite, or not the exact opposite, but it's almost like children fought, trying to follow doctrine, it's very weird to us. But, you know, I didn't pause 
to think about it must be an endemic problem in the Russian military. I just assumed, actually, that the Russians went in with bad intel. They went in thinking Ukraine would welcome them. But, mm-hmm. oh, boy, once they reorganized just holy terror onto Ukraine. But they didn't. Do you know what I mean? They, they didn't. So I'm like, no. wait a minute. So the first time I thought, okay, you know, we heard reports that there were tanks with two shells in them, that there were troop transports with military parade uniforms in them. These guys thought they were coming to Kiev for a friggin' party. Woohoo, we're here. We're Russians. You might have heard of us. You know, we're a big deal. But what Yeah, they even stored those uh, parade uniforms, I heard. That's right. Well, they had parade uniforms in some of the, uh, the, the vehicles that were later examined. So that made me think, okay, so the Russians sent a bunch of conscripts to drive into Kiev, thinking that nothing, that the Ukrainians would just collapse. Ukrainians are weak. They're silly. They're little dumb Russians. They're our silly cousins. And then I was obviously happy for Ukraine, but then I was worried. And I thought, oh boy, once the Russians realize that they're wrong, they'll bring, they'll bring in their A-team. And then then they'll come in and they'll really F shit up. Oh, you know, they will, I cursed. Um, They will really screw things up now. But it went from sublime to ridiculous, right? It It went from bad to worse. And so then when the Russians actually got, you know, when the Russians really, when they realized that in fact this was not a walk in the park, I thought that they would, you know, they're, they're, their their military would stop and they didn't but what i didn't see after that is that all of their militaries were problematic all of their forces not just their land forces the the next step in the debacle was their ground forces so their ground forces were incredibly bad and then sorry correction uh, after their ground forces their air force the, the efficacy of their air force was miserable and I thought, that's really weird, because I thought the Russians would have total air supremacy within days. 100%. I thought, you know, the Russians would literally rule the skies and with extreme prejudice, not not kind of rule the skies. I suspected the Russians would completely dominate Ukrainian airspace. And they didn't. They just didn't. And that's really, really weird. Right, and then I'm thinking I still didn't see the writing on the wall. Then their navy, the Ukrainians weren't doing anything. They weren't attacking ships. They weren't. And I'm like, oh, their navy, who? That that Russian navy, that Black Sea Fleet, that Hunt for Red October. They're really going to mess up things, and they're going to be a really potent force. And then they lose the Moskva under such weird conditions. So then I started thinking to myself, well, hold on a second, we're the triumvirate here. So their ground forces, their air force. And their navy are a joke. They're obviously not very well trained. I don't know about all their equipment. I'm not a, an equipment expert, but everything else, my, yeah, um, everything that we've seen so far brought to the field has been really, really kind of super bad. So the question becomes: Is their nuclear deterrent effective? Are they good at anything else? And I highly doubt that they are. So what's the point of me saying this? I think that Western countries who have who are and have analysts that are smarter than me, they have generals who've been in for 30, 40 years, uh, probably know, well, know way more than I do 
I think they're saying, you know what? I think Russia has been faking it for a bit. I think as Russia has been building up their economies, they're not really doing, you know, right by their militaries. So in, in any regard, research and development, S-500, you know, even the S-400, I'm not sure it's as good as they say it is. Uh, this is not a country that's known for openness or honesty or integrity in much. So why would I assume all of a sudden that when it comes to their military, they're being honest? They're not honest about their economy. They're not honest about, you know, press freedoms. They're not honest about anything. But but magically, they'll be super honest and confident, competent in their military.